Hello, this is Aaron Wren, contributing editor at City Journal, and I'm joined today by my colleague, senior editor Steve Malanga, to talk about his new piece for City Journal on the results of the election from the standpoint of the state houses. It's a big midterm election. There's been a lot of talk about the Democrats capturing the House, uh, the Republican uh, adding to their majority in the Senate, but there were a large number of uh, governor's races out there as well, and uh, they haven't gotten as much attention, and that's the focus of Steve's new piece. So, Steve, thanks for joining me. So, I wanted to just maybe walk through a few different categories of uh, governors and talk about some of the races in specific and just get your take out of them. One of them is some of these uh, uh, states that did flip from red to blue. Illinois was one where Republican Governor Bruce Launer lost his reelection bid to Democrat J.B. Pritzker. What's the story in Illinois? It seems like a blue state to me. Well, of course, it's a very blue state. The thing is that there have been a governor, uh, reformers who've won uh, in Democratic states as Republicans. Rauner, however, uh, basically took a, a very tough position with the democratically controlled state legislature. It was essentially uh, uh, his reforms were all or nothing. As a result of that, the state went several years without a budget, it was complete gridlock uh, in Springfield. And in 2017, uh, members of the Republican uh, state legislature actually kind of voted with Democrats to override a Rounder's uh, uh, rejection of the latest budget. So there was really gridlock and Rounder's approval rating declined. I think it was always it was always going to be a tough reelection, but he was uh, significantly unpopular and he didn't even come close to winning reelection. Uh, so that was no surprise at all, at all. Yeah, I mean, basically, he was ineffective. Uh, I think is basically fair to say. Yes, and and you can contrast that with a couple of other governors, Democratic states, who actually won re-election overwhelmingly. The two most interesting ones are Larry Hogan in Maryland and uh, Charlie Baker in Massachusetts. Now, both of them were very popular in Democratic states as Republican governors. In part, that was because both of them actually saw a compromise to get things done. I'll give you an example. Um, after the uh, the uh, federal tax reform bill passed, um, essentially it meant that state taxes, state tax collections were going to go up because people were going to be keeping more of their federal money. Um, Hogan wanted basically to give that money back to uh, Maryland uh, 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 residents. The um, Democratic uh, legislature wanted to keep some of that money. So in the end, although Hogan fought, he compromised and essentially gave some of it back, but also kept some of it for the state. That that compromise legislation that he signed might not be popular with uh, fiscal conservatives. It got essentially got the job done. The same uh, Baker uh, has been consistently ranked as, as the most popular governor uh, in America within his own state, and that's possible wow. for a governor. Um, you know, a Republican governor in a Democratic state, and he won re-election with two vote, which is, again, pretty extraordinary. So those, I think, two examples are quite striking contrast with Rauner. The other thing about those two examples is both Baker and Hogan essentially ran away from Trump. Right. <laughs> Neither one of them embraced Trump. But, you know, again, you're talking about very democratic states, and uh, I think that's probably a per strategy in places like that if you're looking right. for re-election as a, as a Republican. Right. Neither of them are in crisis, either like Illinois, where you know, just very difficult and unpopular things are going to have to be done. Massachusetts is interesting 
because it does seem to have at least some history in electing these moderate, competent governors. Mitt Romney, of course, being governor there. Uh, so they've been willing to entrust the governor's uh, you know, office to Republicans. Uh, if you look at patterns of, uh, of election and re-election of governors in states, there are a lot of states. I'll give you two examples, uh, Michigan and Maine, both of which had Republican governors, which over the last 50 years have tended to flop between uh, the parties, meaning generally after eight years, which a, a, a governor, one party, they, the, the voters of that state tended to move to the other uh, party. And that's part of what happened this year. Uh, in, in both cases, the, the Maine and Michigan had um, uh, Republican governors for eight years. So the Republicans who ran uh, this time around were really facing a bit of an uphill battle. In both cases, Democrats won by a comfortable margin. If you look at the historical precedent, it wasn't a shocking outcome. It was really part of uh, uh, the precedent. A couple of states uh, where there were some uh, Democratic candidates that were generating a lot of national enthusiasm were, were Florida um, with, uh, with Mayor Andrew Gillum from Tallahassee and, and Georgia um, uh, with Stacey Abrams running on the, on the Democratic t- ticket. Both of them appear to have lost uh, to the Republican, uh, yeah, although I think Abrams has not yet conceded, says there may be a recount. We'll have to see there. Uh, but what happened to these races? Well, it's very interesting. First of all, um, if you looked at the way these states have been leaning there, maybe Florida would be considered somewhat purplish. But um, they've had some success. Republicans have had some success in both of these states, particularly uh, in Georgia. In both of these cases, the Republicans who won the, uh, the, the state's nomination were not establishment Republicans, but more what you would call Trump Republicans. Uh, and they essentially ran against the establishment within their own state, won the Republican primary, and then had fairly tough, if you will, um, election campaigns. Although in both cases, they were running against pretty much left of center Democrats. Uh, I have a sense that in, in particular in Florida, if the Democrats had had uh, nominated a more centrist um, a Democrat a, a candidate, they might have had a better chance. Uh, in both cases, it seems as if the Republicans and, and the Trump supporting Republicans won, uh, but the races were fairly close, particularly in Georgia, um, closer than uh, 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 previous elections where there has been a pattern of uh, electing governors, uh, uh, Republicans there. So uh, those were interesting cases where uh, the Democratic Party had an opportunity but may have squandered it based on who they nominated. Well, it looks like the Democrats picked up seven uh, governorships. Uh, the Republicans didn't. Uh, capture any that had been held by the Democrats. What is going to be the implications of of this plus seven uh, Democratic pickup uh, going forward? The other thing you have to look at is the composition of the state legislatures. You know, uh, uh, a governor isn't going to uh, drastically change the direction of the state without cooperation of the legislature. Uh, Republicans have controlled um, up 31 legislatures around the country. Now, if you look back to 2008, Democrats controlled uh, uh, 29 governorships. Uh, uh, there was a whole round of uh, tax increases. In fact, 2009, 
was essentially uh, uh, the states recorded the largest net aggregate tax increase for states uh, across the country uh, in history. Agendas of uh, of some of these um, governors, like uh, Pritzker, for instance, in Illinois, uh, or Ned Lamont in Connecticut, I think we're likely to see tax increases, especially since sluggish uh, revival, if you will, of state uh, tax revenues in the last 10 years, really the slowest rebound of state tax revenues uh, after a recession since, since World War II. And as a result of that, uh, even though we're nine years into an economic expansion, state budgets are printed. And I have places uh, where there's democratic control, um, a series of tax increases. I think they'll be tailored towards tax increases on businesses and also on the wealthy. Uh, I think that's pretty clear from the agenda of some of these governors, but uh, that's going to a break with what's been going on in the last eight years. What is likely to be the impact on uh, redistricting after the 2020 census? Well, we still don't know completely because there are there's a significant election coming in 2020 where we're going to have um, 11 more governorships up, and some of these state legislatures uh, will be in play again. But clearly, uh, what happens after after the 2020 censuses, by really 2021 and 2022, and when we start getting the results of this, um, you get new congressional districts drawn, um, and uh, the um, legislature in many of these places, uh, in cooperation with the governor, that gets to control that process. So the more states that your party controls, the more likely it is that you can redistrict your state based on the 2020 census numbers uh, in a favorable manner. Um, this, this election uh, tilts things a little bit more favorably towards the Democrats, uh, although Republicans are still significantly um, in control, uh, and we still have another, another important election in 2020, which could further determine how this goes. But this definitely tilts the landscape towards uh, more favorably towards the Democrats than it was. And that influences, of course, the makeup of the House of Representatives. One last question. Uh, a state that many people would not think of as having a Republican governor that does is Vermont. And the Republican governor there won re-election. How did Vermont come to have a Republican governor? <laughs> well, first of all, Vermont, Vermont is a very um, unusual state. Governor's race is every two years, and he won in one re-election. Um, and essentially, Vermont can be somewhat fiscally conservative. Uh, it's not really an extremely high-tax state, for instance. And uh, essentially, what's happened is that uh, Scott there has um, uh, focused on managing the state's finances. He's uh, focused on uh, keeping taxes uh, restrained in the state and getting the budget under control. And um, it's actually, again, not an outlandish result. I think it would be more unexpected to see the legislature uh, turn Republican. That takes um, uh, a, a much greater, if you will, a political uh, shift in tides. Uh, and, but it's not, it's not as crazy as people think. Um, because there's a, there's a streak of uh, fiscal conservatism that runs through Vermont, too. All right, Steve, thank you very much for joining me. And everyone can check out your article at city-journal.org. Thanks for joining us for the weekly 10 Blocks podcast featuring urban policy and cultural commentary with City Journal editors, contributors, and special guests.